Welcome to another week of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week in Come Follow Me, we are studying 3 Nephi chapters 8 through 11. It's the events directly preceding the Savior's uh, coming to the Nephites and his uh, first visit to the Nephite people in the land of Bountiful. And so we get to study and learn of his coming, but also the events and the hardships and the trials and the destruction that directly preceded his his coming. The His visitation to the Nephite people in Bountiful is, as the introduction to the Book of Mormon calls it, the crowning event. As a matter of fact, here is what the introduction of the Book of Mormon says. The crowning event recorded in the Book of Mormon is the personal ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ among the Nephites soon after his resurrection. It puts forth the doctrines of the gospel, outlines the plan of salvation, and tells men what they must do to gain peace in this life and eternal salvation in the life to come. And remember, the purpose of the Book of Mormon, as outlined by uh, Moroni in the on the title page, it is for uh, it is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, that they may know the covenants of the Lord that they are not cast off forever, and also the convincing of the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God manifesting himself unto all nations. So the entire Book of Mormon fulfills that purpose. All throughout as we've as we've studied from first Nephi through third Nephi where we are now and, and beyond and from fourth Nephi to Moroni. Everything in the Book of Mormon and the stories that Mormon and Moroni compiled for us fulfill that purpose. But third Nephi, specifically starting in chapter eleven to uh, the end of Christ's uh, personal ministry with the Nephites is a microcosm of that purpose. He shows them the great things that, he, they have, that he's done for their fathers, and he talks to them about that. He shows them they, that his covenants are, and reminds them of the, their covenants, that they're not cast off forever. How does, he, he does that in many ways, but the simple fact that he shows up to them to minister to them shows them that they are not, have not been cast off forever. That they were that they were remembered, then for us, it shows us that if he remembered them, he will he will remember us as a uh, as a part of the house of Israel, and the covenants that he's made in the past apply to us as well. And obviously, thirty five chapter eleven and and his ministry uh, eloquently and uniquely testify. That Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, uh, and and so in that way, it is this beacon, this shining light uh, in the Book of Mormon, and so with that kind of in mind, that 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 symbolism of of a shining light, a beacon, uh, kind of a transition here into my kind of overview and a few thoughts, and I hope it might be it might seem a little tangent tangenty, but my study from uh, the end of Helaman to now, through 3 Nephi chapter 11, uh, has got me really thinking about light and the symbolism of light and Jesus as the light of the world. And as we studied uh, Samuel prophesying about the signs of his coming, that there would be light in the heaven and that there would be a day and a night and a day with no darkness. And then he prophesied about his uh, the signs that would happen in the Americas uh, surrounding the Savior's death and at the time of his death, and that there would be darkness and there would be calamity. And now as we study in 3 Nephi chapter 8 and 9 and 10, and we, we see that and we read about that coming to pass, 
um, that this darkness and how and the destruction, uh, and then it's directly followed by the light of the world coming in back to the world and uh, visiting the Nephite people. Uh, so I mean, I kind of rambling a bit here, but the, my point is, I've been thinking a lot about that, about the light and the darkness, how it applies to us in our day and what we're seeing in our day. And so I actually have prepared something that I'm just going to actually read um, to kind of share my thoughts. It's something that, like I said, it's been a kind of couple weeks in the making things. These thoughts have been kind of uh, brewing in my, in my mind and uh, not in a bad way, like, like I'm brewing with anger or something now, but they've just kind of been, I don't know. I've been, led from one thing to another and finally was able to more or less wrap my uh, mind around the thoughts that I've been having and put them down in a somewhat, I I think, somewhat coherent way. And I wanted to share that. And so uh, it says, uh, as we've been studying Come Follow Me and and as the weeks have progressed and we got, have gotten close to 3 Nephi 11 and the Savior's appearance to the people in the Nephite world, I have had greater cause to reflect on the darkness that enveloped that land at the Savior's death, contrasted by the role of the Savior as the light of the world. The third Nephi account relates that the darkness that followed the Savior's death was so thick that the people could feel it. No fire or light could be lit. There was utter and complete darkness with no light mingled whatsoever. This reminded me of Doctrine and Covenants section 115 verse 6. And that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and a refuge from the storm and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. Uh, just sidebar here for a moment. Uh, I mentioned in pre in last week's episode, uh, this verse and how I had been thinking about this verse and about being poured out with, uh, the wrath being poured out with, without mixture. And so this, this is kind of a continuation of that thought. I promised you that I, when, once I gathered my thoughts, I would share. And, and that's kind of what this is. So poured out without mixture, perhaps like me, you have felt that we are seeing these days, days when darkness covers the land, days when wrath has poured out without mixture, or in other words, undiluted. Days when, as Isaiah described, that people would call good evil and evil good. I couldn't help but reflect on the past few months and the state of the world. Darkness has seemed rampant. In years past, I think we would have all turned to the temple. However, temples have been closed. A significant source of power and light in the world seemingly shuttered. To be frank, I have felt disheartened at times. Where is the light? How can I counteract the darkness? How can I fight the evil so prevalent in the world? How can I experience the defense and the refuge referenced in Doctrine and Covenants section 115? Then I found my answer in the scriptures and in the words of the living prophets. First, from section 115, from the previous verses, verses 4 and 5. Uh, For thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Verily I say unto you all, arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations. The church has been sent to be a light. The church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Recall President Nelson's emphasis on the correct name of the church. We, the disciples and the members, are the church. We are we are to arise and shine forth. This echoes the words of the Savior from Matthew 5 and 35 chapter 12. Ye are the light of the world. It became clear to me, perhaps as it should have been all along, that we, I, need to be a light in this world. While the light of the temples may be temporarily unavailable, our homes should be beacons in the mists of darkness. As the Bible Dictionary says, and Elder Stevenson has uh, recently seconded, Only the home can compare with the temple in sacredness. In our lives, it can be easy to be distracted by many things. 
These things may not necessarily be bad. However, we need to be careful and intentional in our discipleship. We need to, as President Nelson said, pay the price for priesthood power. This means giving more attention and time to things that matter most. Are current events intriguing? Certainly. Do politics play a role in our life? Surely. Are our daily jobs and tasks important? Definitely. However, there is one thing which is more which is of more importance than they all, and that is Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice and gospel. If we are to be the light, uh, if we are to be the light, uh, if we are to be the light and to be the standard for the nations, we have to cultivate and protect our light. A fire must be lit, but it does not end there. A fire has many enemies. The wind, the rain will try their hardest to extinguish the flames. Even the, in the even in the absence of adversity, the flames must have adequate fuel. What are you feeding your fire and light? Finally, what are we to do with our light? Sister Corden in April 2020 related that our light is not only for us, it is, but it is to be used to light the way for other people. Quote, by virtue of the restoration of his gospel, we can be filled with the light of this, our Savior. However, that light is not meant for you and for me alone. Close quote. As noted earlier, the Savior himself told us that we are to light the world. He then continued by saying, Let your light so shine before this people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are to shine our light so that others may see. In our communication with our family, in our daily interactions with those we we work with, in our social media posts, are we helping others to see and come unto Christ? Are we doing something good at the expense of doing what is best? As we, as disciples of Christ, his children, focus on him, we will be filled with the light. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. As we look unto him in every thought, something powerful will happen. We will be filled with his light, and the light we shine will intensify. We will create a refuge and a defense from the storm for ourselves and for others. We will come in the unity of the faith, and in so doing fulfill the prayer of our Savior that we be one. Despite our differences, we will become no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I testify that Jesus Christ is the light of the, the world and that he is the light that we should hold up. I testify that the future is as bright as our faith. No matter how dark the world gets, no matter how fierce the storm rages, the church of Jesus Christ will continue to shine and be a beacon inviting all to come and experience the peace that passeth all understanding. And that is my testimony still, uh, and since I wrote that yesterday, it hasn't changed. (laughs) Um, thanks for bearing with me and allowing me to just read that out. I, like I said, it's, it's kind of been the culmination of a couple of weeks, at least two or three weeks of, of study and prayer and ponder. And as I've studied the scriptures and listened to talks and listened to, and, and read, um, books and the infinite atonement and other things, uh, these things, these things have kind of just come to me, uh, in answering some of my questions in terms of where is the light? Uh, because like I said, in, in reading that there's been times where I've felt really disheartened and de- and downtrodden and looking at the state of the world and thought, what can I even do? Uh, I encourage you to read, uh, sister Corden's talk from April, 2020. That talk really, um, actually connected a lot of the dots for me. There's a story in there that she shares about, um, when she was a little girl, Elder Perry came to came to visit her family, and uh, you might recall the story. She ran out to feed the chickens, and Elder Perry and his son came, but she ran out ahead with the flashlight, <laughs> and Elder Perry ended up stepping in a, in a small stream because he couldn't see, and she he told her, Bonnie, I need you to shine the light where I am so that I can see, and as we discuss and as we study this week, 
the darkness that preceded the Savior's coming and the light that he brought into the world because he is the light. I, I hope that you are able to find answers to your questions, and I hope that you're able to come to a greater peace and understanding of, of how we all can shine our light and help those around us. Uh, because Jesus Christ, as he says in 3 Nephi 18, he is the light that we should hold up. And there are many good things that we can do. There are many things that, that are worth fighting for. Uh, but sometimes we need to not go down a certain path uh, and give up the good and better fights so that we can focus on the best fight, and that is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gathering of Israel on this side of the veil and on the other side of the veil. Uh, I am excited to share with you this week 3 Nephi chapters 8 through 11 and and the um, thoughts that came to me and my impressions and, and notes and quotes that I came across. As always, my hope is to just spur you on in your study because I know the true teaching will come from the Spirit. And as you study with a, with a prayerful heart uh, and with the Spirit as your guide, you will, as I have done in the last couple weeks, receive very specific direction and guidance. Uh, I shared what I shared because I felt that was the part that I could share. There were other things that came to me that were personal that I that I'm not going to share, and there are going to be things that you will that you will learn that will be like that. But then there's going to be the things like I just shared that you will learn that the Lord will prompt you to share with those around you, and that will be the way in which you will shine your light, your flashlight, like Sister Corden, on the path so that others can see. Uh, because in the end, that is what we are called to do. We are called to have our light not only to guide our path and light our path, but to invite others to come unto Christ and help them receive the restored gospel by uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice, being baptized, receiving the, uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. And repenting, after our repenting, repenting too. Faith, repentance, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. So uh, this week, the plan is uh, we're going to talk about chapters 8 through 10, and then we'll do chapter 11 kind of on its own. Um, there, I have quite a bit, but I've prob- what I've done, though, is I've boiled it down, trying to, like, I, like I've done, not, I don't want to rush through things, but try to be quick hitting, quick hitting here so that you can uh, just use this as, like I said, a spur, a guide for you in your own personal study. Hopefully I'll point out a few things that you never thought about that may get you thinking about, about things in a different way um, and asking the right questions so that the Spirit can answer them. Uh, thanks for joining me, and I look forward to discussing this week's chapters with you in the coming episodes, and I hope you'll join.